Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. But first, let's have a look at the main business stories in the newspapers and websites, which we often do in the company of Dan Moroni from RBC Brew and Dolphin. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Joe. It's a bit wet this morning in the East Coast, but it's going to be a gorgeous weekend. Have you any plans? Nothing major. I think the kids are going to dictate my weekend as usual, Joe. They're twenty. They're in their twenties and thirties, aren't they? <laughs> if only, yeah. Yes. Anyway, Dan, let's start with a piece from Ellen O'Regan in the Irish Times. It's a story about health insurance. Yeah, the Irish Times have, um, through a Freedom of Information request, they they have um, got their hands on a letter that Irish Life Health wrote to the Department of Health back in April. And effectively, um, Irish Life are making the, their point that the removal of private healthcare from public hospitals could result in what they call an unavoidable and significant increase in the cost of holding private health insurance. You know, they're saying some premiums could double. Um, and clearly, they're, they're concerned about the community rating system where, you know, try to make sure everybody pays the same regardless of whatever age they are, their health status. And obviously, if, if a, a large cohort of younger people based on dr- driven up costs, decided that they did not want to go down the road of insurance. That could cause difficulties with that community rating system and, and cause an imbalance. The Irish Life are looking for a more measured approach in this letter. They're, they're looking for a, a gradual reduction of designated bed capacity for privately insured patients within the public system. Um, for their part, the Department of Health did release a statement to the Irish Times. They're acknowledging that there, there may be an impact on the private health insurance market, but they're, they're taking the opportunity to, to reiterate the vision of Sláinte Care. Um, you know, they're, t- they're, they're talking about access to services clearly based on the need and, uh, on need and not the ability to pay. Uh, and they do see that the removal of private practice from public hospitals, it's a core principle of social care. We know that they're reiterating it. Um, and they do believe that, um, public healthcare facilities, ensuring that they're used for public patients only is, is that key principle of, of the whole social care philosophy so you know clearly the, the private insurance market is is raising an issue that they consider to be very very significant the department of health are not denying that there, there could well be some impact so um the department said they would consider irish life you on the matter alongside other reforms that are being progressed under the sludge care plan yeah now as someone who is newly returned from using the free nhs system i can absolutely confirm that it is a very convoluted system here and certainly not cheap and the idea of it doubling would scare the bejesus out of a lot of people it, indeed i think that's woken a lot of people up this morning and um, you know it, it's the, the whole principle of managing insurance costs is getting that large pool of insured people so anything that might reduce that is clearly causing concerns in the private insurance market indeed let's move on to um on post donald o'donovan has a piece in the irish independent about on post yeah, well, as we know, um, Premier Lotteries Ireland, this um, the National Lottery license holder, that is, um, a, a, on post or a minority shareholder, have been for nearly a decade. And the majority owner is the massive Canadian public pension fund, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. So they announced earlier in the year that they were looking for an exit. Um, and they own about just under 80% of, of PLI. And there is this thing called a drag and tag arrangement under the, the ownership where Ampost are required to sell. They own about 11% of, of PLI. They're required to sell uh, if and when uh, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan decide to sell. So um, they, they must be involved in the sales process, but they are required to, to put their block up for sale as well. Um, but on post, the CFO, um, Peter Quinn, has said yesterday that 
they would be interested in remaining a minority shareholder and they would look to consider rolling into a new structure if a bidder came along and was open to that type of system. So it's it's a case of maybe a, a, a slightly unwilling sale of that minority holding on Impus part and they're kind of sending out feelers to see hopefully somebody might like to continue to have them tagging along as a minority shareholder. Indeed, indeed. Oh, and Impus also said yesterday that he expects to cut around a thousand jobs over the next five yeah, years. But the, um, yeah. management have said there'd be no compulsory redundancies. Just to move on to the, the story from Alan Healy in the Irish Examiner, a story about consumer spending patterns. Yeah, there, there's a, a monthly credit union consumer sentiment index and Alan Healy's story here is is discussing maybe a, a slight uptick in Irish consumer confidence based on the data. Uh, it's an, a marginal improvement in June. You know, there there are signs and it's seeping into into Irish consumers that food and energy price inflation. We we may have seen the peak in that with uh, so cost of living pressures come down. That should see an increase in consumer sentiment broadly. Like. This was really, really low, this survey. As recently as September, the index is at a 14-year low. There's been a very significant recovery since then. Um, and, you know, things like the outlook for employment, financial position t- uh, today versus a year ago, and households thinking that they will be in a better financial position 12 months from now. All of those have improved quite significantly. Um, Austin Hughes, the economist, is pointing out, you know, th- th- there has been a really good stream, notwithstanding the, the on-post news, a really good stream of new job announcements quite recently and some really strong official economic data as well. So this would be very consistent with what you see uh, as a pattern generally. Soft survey data when you're asking people how they feel about the world tends to lag the hard reality um, of, of, of hard economic data. So it would be unsurprising that as the hard data improves and we see the economy gradually improve and we see very strong job numbers, that slowly that dawns on the on the general public and you see that sentiment start to improve with a bit of a lag. And I'll be speaking to Austin Hughes about this survey uh, on News Talk Breakfast at half past eight. Moving to the markets now, um, I, I see Amazon shares jumped 4.3% last night. Yeah, they've announced, you know, it's a hundred million investments in a generative AI center to help companies use uh, generative generative artificial intelligence. Now, a hundred million is, um, you know, Jeff Bezos had found that down the back of the sofa. It's not necessarily (laughs) lunch uh, money. (laughs) Yeah, in absolute terms, in relative terms, it's it's nothing really. But I think it's it's the signal that it gives to the market because there is a perception that Microsoft and Google have stolen the march really on Amazon in terms of the use of generative AI and they, they've been much more kind of robust in, in announcing what they're planning to do. And I think, um, and this is the, the AWS, the cloud unit part of Amazon's business. I think they quite justifiably might maybe a little bit irked by this because Amazon, as we know, they've been using AI for years. Anybody who uses Alexa will know that or when they're recommending something else that you might like to buy on the app, that's, that's all. AI generated. So the the CEO of the of the cloud unit AWS, Adam Slipsky, he was quoted as saying, "We don't like people saying who's ahead in the AI race at this stage. We're three steps into a ten kilometer race, so it's impossible to judge." Well, I think the only way to solve this is to have a cage fight. What do you think? Put, put <laughs> Je- Jeff Bezos uh, in a cage with another tech giant. Can you get over this story, Dan? That the boss of Facebook uh, and the boss <laughs> of uh, Tesla are going to have a physical fight. 
Joe, I think I stopped being shocked by things like this in around 2016. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things that maybe 10 years ago, it would have been an extraordinary story. But at this stage, it just seems like a, another thing to add to the bucket of craziness. I think it's absolutely lunacy. Uh, I, I mean, one part of me wants them both to lose and be really, you know, <laughs> bloodied. But the, the other part of me said, this is, is this a really good example for young men as, as they're grown as teenagers? They want to be billionaires and then fight each other. I and did see somebody comments that it was the first time they'd be rooting for a cage. That's it. I'm for the cage as well. Hashtag cage wins. Anyway, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Have a lovely weekend. That's Dan Moroni from RBC Brew and Dolphin. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.